everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Gymnasium. Feels good to be talking here with you. As always, I am XFL Jim, joined by the communications major man. It is Chase Wolf of Oakland, the Lupine Fiasco Sesums. What's up, my man? What's up, buddy? How's it going? How's, you, how's life? How you living? It's going good. What'd you think of the mega day of XFL? The mega Sunday. It started off real hot. It started off real hot, uh, and then it got uh, progressively slower and a little more boring towards the end. To be fair, there were moments in all three games. Like, the first two games were close throughout. Yeah, true. No, no, that's completely, yeah. It's just, the, I held it's, out hope for the Brahmas. It's not, it's, it's not, okay. It's not that they were necessarily boring. It's just that that opener on Sunday was a just banger matchup. Going from it, the Saturday game to the Sunday game was just banger, banger. Right, right, exactly. No, that, that, yes, totally that. Um, and then, you know, the it just, you know, it's not their fault. It was just lackluster in comparison to the two games that happened before it. I mean, the game immediately before it had gotten so rowdy that they – shut it down with 10 seconds left. They didn't even finish the game. That's awesome. That's amazing. Let's just start breaking down these games. Game number one, the lone Saturday game, we had the Seattle Sea Dragons taking on the Vegas Vipers. Seattle winning this one 30-26. Free Josh Gordon! Josh Gordon unlocked. Ben DiNucci going off. We did it all for DiNucci. What? DiNucci. Yeah, man. Like... We've been what we're I I still don't think we've been talking about. I still don't think that this is the game that Josh Gordon has completely just gone group on on these D backs yet. Like I still think he has like way huger games in store for him. No, there'll be a game where like they they key in on like Jacor Pearson. Yeah, and he'll have like three hundred yards. Yeah, he'll have like a two hundred fifty yard game four touchdowns, some random, like, get it on the jet sweep action. We still haven't seen him, like, get the ball on the field in space and just, like, break tackles and, and be bigger and faster than everyone yet. Like, every, except for, I mean, you know, the, the game-winning catch where he just, like, took that ball he away from the dude. DB. Mossed him so hard. So hard he was mossed. It was disgusting. But not to take anything away from the Vipers, because the Vipers looked well-improved. With round two of Hundley, yeah, the Vipers look really good with Brett Hundley. The uh, they they're able to, you know, be a little bit more balanced. It looks like on offense with uh, they they seem to have a little bit more of a, a rushing threat with Hundley than they have with Luis Perez. Go figure. Yeah, um, I mean, I think their defense. I think their defense is is okay. It just hasn't had things gone their way, and literally ran into just like a superior human being uh, at the end of that last game. I will say their defense is okay overall. They do not have a good rush D. I will say it's not on. great. Yeah, it's not great. But very few they, teams actually have a rush game in this league, though. So it's fair. There's like two, two, two real teams that have it. <laughs> two and a half. Yeah. I would say Vegas looked well improved. Jeff Bidette also going off four receptions, ninety three yards, and a touchdown. He's coming alive. <laughs> Springling veteran, Jeff Bidette. Vet. This was an awesome game. The Springling Vet Bidette. I like it. We got a we got a uh, a nickname there, Springling Vet Bidette. 
Um, so I saw people on Twitter saying this was the best spring league performance by a quarterback uh, since Case Cookus. If you for who? Remember. For for Danucci? Really? Some people were saying that. It was pretty impressive just the amount of yards he was able to rack up in another just like crazy windy game at Cashman. Yeah, it was super. Do you think that do you think the announcers talked a little too much about the wind? No, because I think they were on that scaffolding swaying in the breeze and scared for their fucking lives. They might have been Yeah, they might have been pretty fucking scared. I probably would have mentioned it a few times at that at that, you know, juncture. At that that Liberty Snicket series of misfortunate <clears throat> events. So when they like zoomed out and showed both like the coordinators and whatnot up there too, it's a very hilarious looking setup. Yeah, man. Yeah, especially we could see like loose fabrics flapping in the breeze behind the OC while he's trying to make the the calls on the field and everything. But I mean, yeah, I, I think you know it's funny because I think the Sea Dragons will be fine, though they haven't necessarily given given me anything except for that last game against Vegas, who hasn't won now. Um, yeah, zero and three for Vegas. They're probably. I mean, they're. I'm going to say they're out of the playoffs. I'm going to say they're the most impressive 0 and 3 looking most impressive looking 0 and 3 football team I've ever seen. I thought you were going to say they're the most impressive 0 and 3 football team in the XFL. I was like, well they their competition's not that steep. Yeah, yeah, just ever. Thinking of 0 and 3 teams in the history of football, they're the best ever. Vegas gets their first win week 5. Again, who's that who's the opponent? Oh yeah, that's that's everybody's like free free square on the bingo card, really. The Guardians get their first win. They will win a game. I want to say week eight they get Arlington at home, but I'm going to say it's going to be a crazy one. Right. Because what what did we say? We did the same thing with the USFL. Orlando gets their first win week ten in St. Louis. Oh wow, that would Last be good. One. They get one would... win and it's the St. Louis BattleHawks. It knocks St. Louis out of the playoffs. Oof. The XFL would hate, hate the Guardians. They, they, yeah. Every, I'm of the assumption if you're if you subscribe to the conspiracy theories of XFL rigged, uh, the two teams they want in the championship game have to be Houston, like, St. Louis. It has to be either Houston, St. Louis, or St. Louis, San Antonio. The biggest markets, the, right? You're gonna get like the biggest crowd, right? That's fair. You want they San said- Antonio because it's in San Antonio. True. Yeah, that's definitely true. They'll pack that place out no matter who's there. It's true. I'm going to be there. Yeah, you will. God damn. This was a great game. Super. I like this was kind of a start of things to come. It developed more on Saturday morning. But this game was chippy, too. Yeah. I mean, if you're the Vipers, you're probably tired of being pushed around, you know, and, uh, you know, same thing. It's just like two zero and two teams taking out their aggression on each other. I do love the Vipers coach on comms when they're down because I I feel so bad. Did you see him after the game? He looked like he was crying. I didn't see that. I didn't see that. He just, had his, the... he just had his hand. He had his face. His hands like this. Just like, yeah. Ugh. He's just he's so tired of losing. Speaking of the Vipers comms, they have to have the uh, the single game record for uh, fucks by a quarterback. In the uh, on the mic chatter, that was like every other word Brett Hundley was saying. Yeah, it was awesome. It was uh, every time he did it, I giggled like a little, like a like a fourth grader who, like you know, the f word was kind of new to and kind of funny, you know. 
the guy whose job it is to have the mute button at ESPN is getting a workout because there was so there were so many games this weekend where it, announcers would be talking, you'd be able to hear the players and just mute. They would just they would just mute mute mute, and they they never get it right on time. They always are like five seconds behind, so you just hear fuck, or you hear fuck, and then nothing, and it's just pure silence. I I think this sets up the dragons pretty well. I think they could roll this. They get a nice little home game after this one. Let's see if the Seattle crowd shows up on a Saturday night. That environment really plays to their advantage, I think. So their first home opener was on a Thursday, and I think this Saturday game you might be able to see the Sea Dragons show out. The Sea Dragons fans, they, they were pretty well-represented in Vegas. I think they could be well-represented in Seattle. They damn well better be. Because I like this team. I still love. I was, Damn it, I stand by it. They're winning me over because every single time they will elect to go for three. I saw Ben DiNucci walk up to June Jones and be like, can we go for two? I want to go for two. And June's like, no. We're going for three. Love that energy. Go for three every time. It's free points. It's just free points. Go for three every single time. Even if you lose, I will still respect you. And isn't that what we're playing for is my respect? That's what we're all playing for here. This is the XFL I'm XFL Jim. You're playing for my respect. He's back, folks. Fucking internet. Let's go. The excitement was too much. Saturday, Sunday morning, St. Louis Battlehawks, DC Defenders. DC wins this one 34-28. It was a Battle banger. Hawk Magic could not withstand the beer snake, the lemons, and the DC home field advantage. DC Defenders, since 2020, still undefeated at home. I mean, they played a hell of a game. Um, still have question marks with Derek King. Can he actually throw the ball? Because uh, I kind of thought that uh, the Battlehawks did a damn good job defending Derek King. Like this game was pretty much just Jordan Tamu out there making plays. Uh, and then, a lot of plays, though. yeah, look good. And you know, per you know, Doctor Heat defense usual. You have a defensive touchdown. You have you know all sorts of turnovers. They're they're a the damn first good team. Turnovers of the Battlehawks season. Yeah, they're it's a they're probably it's a toss up between them and the Roughnecks for best coached defense. Surprise, surprise for who's coaching those defenses. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, between Wade between Wade Phillips and Greg uh, Williams, you know. Yeah, it's huge. Jordan Thomas, this is the best he's looked all season. Abram Smith, like the run game for DC, even though it wasn't as good as usual, was still yeah. great. One hundred thirty six yards between everybody. I don't know. There were some things that started developing that made me think that the Battle Hawks are gonna be gonna not have to uh, rely on the horseshoe up their ass for the entire year. Like Hakeem Butler, he went off and looks like he could be a handful for basically any defensive back in the uh, in the league. Like I, I think I sent you a, a message. Yeah, he's like XFL Megatron, one hundred percent like XFL Megatron. And they were and then, talking about it during the broadcast. This, like, Battlehawks receiver room in general, they got some big boys, just in general. They, they do, they do. And also, uh, the way the run game got involved. Uh, yeah. The way the, they, they you know, they're the half team earlier. Whenever I said there were two and a half teams I, that I could count on to have, like, a really good, uh, you know, 
really good uh, uh, rush offense. So they're starting to come along, uh, and it's making things a little bit easier for A.J. McCarron. It's just, you know, he didn't make the plays when he needed to, and they ran out of time. Also, their return game is pretty freaking strong. Darius Shepard's awesome. Yeah, I can't wait to see you see a kick get housed. Like it's been so close to happening a couple it's, times. It was maybe my favorite moment of 2020 when they did it. The first time it happened, it was the Battle Hawks Guardians game. Uh yeah. I think it was the St. Louis home opener of 2020 and they did a reverse. Yeah, so, which, which is awesome. It's awesome. It was awesome. It, yeah. No, I, it's, I, I I I I think just what what proves to be the difference in all of these DC games is the adjustments that Greg Williams makes throughout the second quarter, the, the second half, because it just shuts down. The teams. second half adjustments for DC are insane. And Absolutely. If you're, and if you can't defend the run, DC will just obliterate you. Yeah, yeah, you will get you you will not touch the ball, uh, for most of the game, and uh, they will they'll run it up on you, man. Because you're going to be in that position where you have to press, and they've got the pass rush, and they've got the ball hawking secondary to take it away. Like, D.C. with a lead is maybe the most dangerous team? Maybe? It's almost like the Navy thing. If you know that they're going to just, like, bread and butter run the ball and that they're going to just chew up clock doing it. Exactly. They're, I'm trying to see they have on the website like and, and like navy many times this season they uh, inexplicably went went over uh <laughs> in this yeah. game this is a crazy game absolutely insane followed up orlando guardians at the arlington renegades renegades win this one 10 to 9 quinn dormity uh, given the things like this give the irish a bad name jim he's gone chase so he's officially gone because I saw they reinstated him. The XFL did. He's off the team. Okay, so he's back in the XFL, but he's off the Guardians. I think so. So he's not on the Guardians. The Guardians did say they're going to bring in another quarterback that they, they're being cheeky with it. They said yeah. they're bringing in a quarterback that everyone should be familiar with. Yeah. So I don't know what that means. Aaron Rodgers. Tim Tebow. Oh, my God. Please. Please, let's turn this into a full-fledged fucking circus. Please, Johnny do you have Manziel. it? Do you? Johnny Menzel played in the Fan Control Football League. Mm -hmm. DeAndre Francois played in the Fan Control Football League. Yeah, yeah. Or if they're going for, like, the spring football kick, I don't know any other spring football. Cardale Jones. <laughs> Joe Montana. Let's go. Tom Brady. Yes. How hilarious. Okay, just to, like, say fuck you and just say fuck around. Yeah. Tom Brady joins the Guardians. Dude. How hilarious would that be? Dude. Like I'd, I'd actually that, like Tom Brady. I yeah. There's you know what's fucked up is that he me as one of those people who loves games so much that he 100% would We got the confirmation. Shout out XFL analyst on Twitter, maybe the best like XFL account, not including myself. I'm very selfish. Mm -hmm. They're so good. Follow them. It's Quentin Flowers. Do you University play of South Florida legend. That's right. Former, former Tampa Bay Viper. Back in the mix. Back in the mix in the XFL in Florida. Back in the mix in the XFL because I remember weeks one through three, 
the Tampa Bay Vipers decide to keep trotting out Aaron Murray. Right. And everyone knew that wasn't going to work because we saw him right. in the AF. It's like, Aaron Murray, no. He's a great guy. I love him as, like, a commentator. Yeah. yeah. Uh, terrible. Terrible in these spring leagues. So right. they trotted out Quentin Flowers every once in a while. He looked good. And then eventually they started going with the corn dog, And then they, they were winning. Yeah. So we never got to see a full-fledged Quentin, Quentin Flowers. Give me Quentin Flowers, baby. Make it happen. Isn't it amazing that they're swapping Quentins for Quentins? Quentin Dormady, Quentin Flowers. That's fucking crazy. They fl- The XFL pulls off the first ever free agent quarterback Quentin flop. That's amazing. That's Mark amazing. it down. Note the date and time. <clears throat> 20, 20, this, okay, this came out 22 seconds ago they tweeted this. Wow. Breaking news. Bink, bink. I don't know. I did the law and order. Bink, bink for that. But, um. So I here's my takeaway from this game. Uh the Guardians didn't look as bad whenever the other team didn't know what plays were coming. Yep. Paxton Lynch looked better. I will go as far as to say Paxton Lynch looked decent. Which is I mean, a lot to say for probably hands down the worst quarterback in the league, right? Worst I starting quarterback. I think easily. Yeah. Um no interceptions, huge, and they still scored on their opening drive. It was a field goal, but they're continuing that streak, which is good. He threw. He added in his legs. Yep, rushed for forty-three yards and a touchdown. I this offensive line is bad. It is. It is. But they seem to have found a little something because I mean they were playing against one of the tougher defenses in the league with the Renegades yep. and they managed to not have Paxton Lynch on the ground like every single play like they did whenever they had their their opener. If the Guardians figure out the red zone, they're a good team. Agree. And the crazy thing is, even at 0 and 3, the South is so wide open aside from Houston that they're still kind of in it more than like the Vipers are. I, I don't think the South is as wide open. I think there are two teams that are definitely going I, it's, to be. It's San Antonio and Houston are the two teams. Yeah, I mean, but it's like, record-wise. Arlington's in the mix. Arlington is just as good as as San or they're better than San Antonio at this point at yeah. two and one versus one and two. Exactly. So like, I, they're still technically in it. They'd have to have a crazy like second half of the season. I mean, they could end up being the team that is like uh, the Stallions that we think is going to lose every single week, and they somehow just find ways. They could be. I'm going to stick with my theory that Paxton Lynch is the anti-JBG, um, where he just finds ways to lose. So, like, right. the Guardians will be like the anti-Stallions, where we think that they should win, they look great in every game, but they just come away with an L every time. Yeah. I mean, great teams cover, and that spread was eight and a half points. Bon- bonkers spread. Bonkers. Any Bonkers spread that total. large. That total was at like 40 points when I bet it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We I think we said on the picks porch, like that's a multi-unit bet yes. on the under. Like that's a slam under. Slam. Uh, I did also see some people on Twitter complaining that uh, the broadcast talks about betting too much. I was like, no. I, I think they're just not used to people talking about betting. I, I mean, think that, and I think the for people who bet, probably aren't used to betting. Right, right. So well, but they've it. started, and so they started adding people who actually do some like of the ESPN like sports betting 
uh, uh, anal, you know, analyst things like uh, Stormy Biantoni or whatever her name is. Uh, yeah, like they had her on the sideline of the uh, of the DC, um, you know, uh, DC Seattle or St. Louis game, and they actually, I mean, she actually had really good insight into like betting the live, you know, the live line as well as the the uh, the live uh, total. I wish they still. I still. I'm gonna stand by. I'm gonna say this like every week. I feel like I wish they would show the live line and live total like in the scorecard, right? Instead of just having the the regular total and spread there, just right. Live. Yeah, because I mean, once it once it goes over, like there's still yeah. betting implications. Let's see what that real number is. Yeah, Vince in the chat. I wish the broadcasters just talked more. I, I so. Get- I find the the chatter like interesting. Like I like to. I feel like I pick up on on yes. stuff. But I completely understand what Vince is saying. Like I think and throughout this is year one, they're gonna find a balance. Because remember in twenty twenty, like the first like three weeks, I think the broadcasters were barely talking, and you yeah. hear it was all like coach, like the coach play calls and everything like that. I I think. I think they're gonna be able to like find a balance. You don't like hearing the refs during the the reviews. Everyone loves listening to referees talk. I I think it'd be cool if we could get the broadcasters in on that, but I understand why we couldn't because that'd yep. be a little. Right. Yeah. That would that would seem uncouth just a yeah. bit. I uh, like being able to hear the refs for the reviews. I'm gonna stand by that. I don't I don't really care about hearing the broadcasters for that. Yeah. But here I, my my. My main takeaway with the Guardians is that they're getting the run game on track. They look pretty good running the ball. I don't think that they're going to be a winless team. I think they might win, like, two this year. How many did the Maulers win? They, like, won one or two. I know they won one. Uh, 2022 record. What are you thinking about the, the Renegades so far? One and nine. The Maulers went one and nine. Okay. They I beat, they beat the Gamblers. What I think about the Renegades is I think that people kind of thought that Kyle Sloter with mixed with Sal Canella was going to be the magic bullet, like they were going to be Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey of the XFL uh, once they brought in Sloter, but you still have the exact same offensive line. Problems. The thing with Canella was Canella was always open because you had to, you know, guard like Jonathan Adams and Johnny Dixon and and all those like breakers, wide receivers. Like they had weapons on weapons. And when it comes to the wide receiver position, I just don't think that Arlington's got the same kind of weapons that that some of these other teams have with uh, Martavis Bryant, with Josh Gordon out in Seattle, with Butler, yeah, uh, with yeah Butler in St. Louis. Uh, with Pearson in, in Seattle. Like, yeah, they just don't have the weapons, it seems. I I think, so there's two factors here. It's similar to the Vegas-Hunley situation. I think they do look way better the next start that Sloter has. And sure. I do think that Sloter's better than Plitt. Yeah. I just, we I talked about it in my previews. If this Arlington team can't get their run game going like everyone expects them to, right, then they're not good. Like they need to have a run game, right? No, like I agree. Saying, they don't have a lot of great receivers. Like I think Tyler Vaughn's is good, right? I don't think they have a standout guy besides Sal Canella. When your tight end's your standout, 
I mean, it can work sometimes. It can work. I, I think Sal Canelo is really good. Yeah, but I it just I don't know. I I don't think they have the weapons, and I don't think that they've got the I don't think they got the line. It's not there yet. Maybe they could gel and get better, but but you have to consider the fact that the at least their defense is good for like a touchdown a game. It seems like, and if that's the case, if they're good for a touchdown a game, they're still they're going to be like a five hundred ball club. Their defense is insane, uh, just based on the fact that how many turnovers they're getting. They're like USC last year, right? I they mean, they're gonna they they were already guaranteed two games by two win Orlando on the schedule, right? So right now, that's what they're looking at, like four wins. So they got the win if you if you just look at what they have. It, if you just look at what they have now, plus you know, you know the guaranteed. Uh, well, no, one of those ones was against the against the running or the uh, Guardians, wasn't it? Their whole, I think their whole end of weeks five and six, because it's back to back. They go to San Antonio and then they get the Brahmas at home. I think that's everything. That's a tough if stretch. They can steal one of those. They're sitting pretty. If they can steal, if they can yeah, steal so one, they get, they're sitting pretty sure. They go sure. to San Antonio, get San Antonio, then they get Seattle. That's a that's a three game brutal stretch. Yeah, out. I feel like there's a lot that we know and a lot that we don't know. I feel like some at some point we would have probably I don't know. I'm thinking of like Philadelphia. I feel at some point like Philadelphia was just kind of out of the conversation, and then they they turned it on at the end, and like you know somebody's gonna get on a I'm run. They're not all gonna look five. like what they look week like now. Five is week five is the definitive. Like that's when we kind of know. We we have right. like ideas and inklings right now. Week five is when we know. And when like, you and if you know, what I've learned is that if you know, you know, right? Because exactly. Because See? like. Say if Braden Silvers just starts being awful for Houston, and they I drop was like two, they dropped two do you in wanna, a row. Should we Let's, should we move on? Move on to the next game. San Antonio yeah. thirteen, Houston twenty two. Silvers yeah. first half, best half I've ever seen him play. Yeah, so he still got out of an interception, I believe. And I think he's due. At some point this season, he's going to have just a massive blow up game where he throws like four or five picks, I think. And they Probably go just go go to Cole McDonald. Yeah. Yeah. I think but he's just so he's so loose with the you know, he's so risky with the football. I feel like he looks like he could get picked off already about four or five times a game. There's gonna be a game where everyone gets every single one that he tosses. God, Houston almost doubled San Antonio's yardage. But Houston was held scoreless the entire second half. That's a feat. Yeah, they got all that in the first half. Basically, the difference in that game was John Trey Franklin. <laughs> or Kirkland. Is it Kirkland? It's Kirkland. John Trey Kirkland. Kirkland, yeah. Brand, baby. Yeah, John Trey Kirkland basically just went bananas in the first half of that game. And because he went bananas, in the, like that was the difference of the game. was They couldn't stop him. Uh, and that just kind of shut it down. Also, Jack Cohn. Which, uh, which is funny because it looks like corn with a backwards R uh, on the back of his, uh, on the back of his jersey. He didn't have a great game by any means, but he didn't have just an absolutely terrible one. He could play be- better. Like we've seen him play eight, better already. Eight for twenty, fifty-four, sixty-four yards, a touchdown and a pick. 
Okay, so he had an absolutely awful game. Um, really, this is the this is the Jack Cone we expected, but we've already seen play. a better Jack Cone twice. Yeah, I'm gonna chalk that up more to like. I mean, this is Jack Cone against the best defense in the league. So, against a Hall of Fame defensive coordinator. I think San Antonio is they'll, or defensive head coach. Like, I guess like they he looked good against DC. Yeah, and that was Week One, but DC probably has the second best defense in the league. Yeah, so like he can look good. Um, also, doesn't help. Jack was Patrick kind of got hurt early on. He's such a, a fucking. He's so good. He's so big. You can he's tell so he's funny. so out of shape too. But he like he is so fucking huge. He runs so mad too. He's like him and Kalen Balage together are a, a dynamic. Like hands down the best like two headed monster backfield uh in in the XFL. Which shout out because Jaguars Patrick was also part of the best two-headed monster in the run game in the XFL in 2020, with him and Davion Smith for the, yeah. the for the Vipers. He's just he he kills it in the XFL. He he he's just gigantic. Like he's a huge huge human being. Uh, Roughnecks, it's really just like I think in order for them to lose, Brandon Silvers has to have a really bad game. It's coming. It's coming. Probably, but like even if he just has like a kind of bad game, I think this defense is good enough to keep them in almost any game. So here are my bold predictions for the for the the season. One is that the Guardians will win two games, just somewhere they'll get two games. Be, but they'll get two games. The other one is that the Roughnecks will lose at least two games. At least. So, do you think there is any team that goes undefeated? I don't. I don't think so either. I think it's too hard to do. I think in any level of professional football, it's too hard to go undefeated. Stallions almost did it in the USFL last year. I don't think any team does it this year. I think D.C., like, week five, D.C. has to now return the favor, and they go to St. Louis in week five. A rock of St. Louis. They're talking 30,000 people at their at their home opener. Yeah, next week. So let's just go. Let's look to the future a little bit. Week four, we have some lines out right now. Houston Roughnecks at Orlando Guardians. Eight and a half on the road for Houston. Over under 37 and a half. I feel like that's Houston in the under, right? I feel like it's got to be. Yeah. Like, you saw already Houston mollywhopped. Like, they beat the dog shit out of the Guardians week one. Yeah. Right. I think they can do it again. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. Um... I do think the the reason that I swing towards the under is that I feel like the Guardians have their run game a little bit more underneath them. And listen, as the the unders taker who has a PhD in under undertakeology, uh, you want teams with run games that are just going to keep the clock rolling and rolling and rolling. So I think that's why I think they get the shit kicked out of them, but I think they keep the they keep the score. You know they don't score very many points, and uh, they take it the time to keep the uh, the roughnecks from scoring. The question is, do we think the roughnecks score more? Because the issue with that the friggin' Guardians ran into week one was turnovers. Right. Three I mean, if you between Paxton Lynch and Quentin Dormady, and how many? I mean, they had at least one score on defense, right? I'm pretty I, sure they no, it, no, they didn't. They just had short fields. They had very short fields. Okay, so 
I don't know. I feel sometimes I feel like that Roughnecks team. You can make up some of their scoring by like takeaway to the so, house kind of you know pick yeah, sixes and won, scooping scores. The Roughnecks won this matchup thirty three to twelve. Yeah. I might, I don't know, man. It's going to be hard to take that total, but... Yeah, you're starting to make me waffle on if I want the under there or not. I might not touch it, but I like I like the Roughnecks minus the eight and a half. Brahma's at Sea Dragons. The second Seattle home game. This one on a Saturday night. Saturday which, night. Which last time was on a Thursday night, right? Yeah, Thursday evening. This one's like Saturday. It's Saturday at 7 p.m. local time. Yeah, I think you'll get a better crowd for this one, which might, you know, in my opinion, pushes it towards, probably pushes it towards Seattle a point, a point and a half, right, for for home field, we'll say. I would think so. Right now the line, Seattle minus four and a half, over under a 40 and a half. So they really think, so I guess what they're telling us is they really think this is a three-point game, but they're going to give them the point and a half for the for the uh, uh for the home field advantage has seattle has seattle I mean, it feels like every one of their games has been by like two points so far this year uh so far three for three opening obviously the opener they lose to dc 18 to 22 so that's a four point game uh week two they played st louis they lost 20 to 18 last second comeback by st louis two point game week three they won 30 to 26 four point Five. game. Yeah. So it really depends. That so basically what that come what it comes down to is that's a really fucking good number that they gave us there a, with four and a half. That's a really good number. And it makes it hard to play other other than I get value value on the on this on the dragons on the money line and I have a feeling that I cannot. I mean similar to what we've been saying about the XFL all year live bet it. True. Just wait for the one of the teams to go down and then live bet it. And if they don't go down, just don't touch it. Live bet it at like a seven and a half or something. Right. Um, this all comes down to, do you think San Antonio, do you think Jack Cohn kind of like curls up or do you think he bounces back? And do you think Seattle and Ben DiNucci kind of regress a little bit? Or do you think this is what they are? They found themselves. No, I, I don't think, I think you have like a, a good few games of regression uh, where this June Jones offense is getting more and more creative and like the, cause the wide receivers are starting to figure it out more in terms of what they're supposed to do because it's not, you know, it's not so much like, you know, draw a line of the dirt. This is the route you run. It's like, Hey, look up and see where this person is. If this person does this then you take this option, if they do that, then you do this. Like, and like understanding it, like I, I think it only starts rolling more, I think it, I more. think you get like a build up effect with that, and the more familiar Danucci gets with the offense, and like it's a very quarterback driven offense. The more familiar yeah. he gets with it, the better they're going to get throughout the season. I think the Sea Dragons are a team you can see heat up throughout the season and get like I kind of like the over forty and a half even at that number because I think Jack Cohn bounces back, and I think the Sea Dragons are their defense is fine, but I think the Brahmas could run all over them too. Here's the thing, though. I want to know if uh, if the running back was it Ellison for the, uh, San Antonio. No, for Seattle that uh, oh, came up Gimpy. Yeah, he I came up Gimpy. All right. I think he just kind of pulled something. Okay, because that... T. J. Hammonds came in Little Rock, veteran of the Little Rock. He came yeah, he in and he you played out on the stream. Yeah, yeah. He he 
came in and he played pretty well, but uh, that they have a really good running back that if he's nicked up, then I might actually sprinkle, just go ahead and sprinkle Brahmas on the on the money line, man. If he if he doesn't play, then I I will be watching that intently to see if he doesn't play. If he doesn't play, then I'm going Brahmas on the money line. If not, then I think I take the 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 shot to say because I got to think at minus four and a half, it's not juiced up. It's either minus one ten, minus one oh five. Yeah. Then I take minus one ten. Okay, I'll take a meat and potatoes minus one ten versus you know sixty five on the money line. Yeah, I, I probably take that sprinkle, especially especially if I hear that running back is out. I that's that also I just want to as a side. Uh, I don't know what they're gonna do with the Vipers next year. You gotta get them out of Cashman's at the very least. Fields not. There's good. gotta be just better options in the in the the Vegas area, right? You would the thing so. is that that had to be dirt cheap them to play there it had to be dirt cheap and as we all suspect it was pretty last minute they didn't announce it till like two weeks before the league started so i mean give them a little bit give them another like one two more seasons to get like the league established and the the cash flow going and then they maybe move up to move up to a better you know i don't think they ever play in allegiant but i think they play well i mean they're they're affiliated with the nfl why not uh, they was, you you have to you worry about all the open space that you see on yeah, television. The only negative thing I would say is like Cashman Fields. The only thing about the XFL so far that seems like bush league. That's the only thing. It's legit bush league. Like it's not great. It reminds me of the fields that I used to play ultimate frisbee tournaments on. No shit. Arlington Renegades, St. Louis Battlehawks, the St. Louis opener. St. Louis opens is minus four over under thirty six and a half. I, I have no confidence, so I think I hammer the four. Especially with no hook. Yeah, I'd probably take the four. I I can't, St. Louis home opener, I'm gonna take the over. Where do you think that line closes at? Five I would think you think it goes five and a half all the way? Because you have to think that they're gonna be taking just a ton of money until I think so. Yeah. Five and a half probably. Because the XFL lines, if you've noticed, some of these lines have moved crazy throughout the week. If it's five and a half, do you Go ahead and you move it back to. Do you go ahead and take the Renegades? At four, I it's it, to me it's a no brainer. The Battle Hawks, but I think at five think, and a half, I think you have to entertain the thought of, of taking the Renegades it. there. I think this might be another live bet situation where if St. Louis goes up early, you might see like a seven or a touchdown, something like that. Yeah, and then I'll take the I'll take the Renegades off of that. If they go up by a score and a conversion, then you'll get like eleven and a half or something like that. Yeah. Uh, also. Speaking of conversions, just shout out the Sea Dragons for always going for three. Because that regression will happen, too, where they're going to start hitting those, like, three-point. I mean, and it's it, it's hitting it still right about the exact same rate as the one-point right now. It, imagine, like, if, for, if like, they hit three in a game. Yeah. I still... blow a team out one of these weeks. I 100% would be the guy who, every time he scores, he goes for three. Every time, instead of kicking off, he goes for the fourth and fifteen. Well, so you can only do that if you're behind. You can only. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I it's a know. comeback mechanic. You can only do it if you're behind. It would be dope if they let you just make it, take it. That would be hilarious. Yeah, because somebody would do it. Jude Jones would, would do it. Jude Jones would do it. Did you yeah. see on the Saturday game too, where Ben DiNucci walked up? He's like, "Let's go for two. Let's go for two. Let's go for two. And Jude's just like, no. Three. Three. I love it. I fucking love it. Just the coach with the headset on. This is me being a coach with my headset on. Or do you think they? Probably like that. Maybe like this. 
Arms crossed. Vegas Vipers at the DC Defenders. DC minus six over under 40 and a half. That DC home field advantage is legit. Six seems like a lot. I think it's harder to play defense on a field where people are slipping all over the place, especially against a misdirection offense like they like ran the with Derek with King. I kind of like the Vipers to cover. I think, yeah, probably the over. I'll take the over 40 and a half. That's probably my favorite play. Yeah. I think, I don't know, I, I think whoever... I think the Vipers DC watches a lot of game film as to what they did with Derek King because they managed to just absolutely shut him down uh, last, you know, this weekend. And it just seemed to be by saying, fuck the ball, you know, fuck the running back. Like we were just going, everyone run at Derek King and they every just, single time. They basically just said, fuck it, throw on us if you want. Yeah. We don't yeah, think we're we just gonna, Yeah, we're just going to zero blitz this thing the entire time and send like eight. Maybe they're just biding their time. And Maybe. And all of a sudden, Derek King will just throw for like 360 yards. It's coming. It's it's coming just like the Brandon Silver's blow-up game is coming. And then Uncle Rico will have just the biggest smile on his face. <laughs> Do you want to power rank some shit? Let's power rank some shit. What's good, Herb? We got Herb Phillips saying what's good. What good? What's, what's really hood, Herb? So, for our power ranking, Chase is going to give... I think we should go rank by rank and then kind of come up with the, the garages... Like combined power ranking. Okay, I'm blowing so mine up. Let's, let's go. go bottom and top. Who do you have? It. I think we have the same team at eight. I think it's pretty obvious. Uh, yeah, Orlando Guardians. Yeah, it's the Orlando Guardians. They're not. Yeah, they're the worst team in the XFL. Easy. Y- yep. Who do you have at seven? Got the Arlington Renegades. I see I, why you do it. It's they have they're two and one, but I feel like they have little to no upside. Whereas every other team, some of the teams that are that are one and two, look like superior football teams. That's a fair point. My power rankings, I do not allow myself to rank a one and two team over a two and one team. So my number seven are the Vegas Vipers. Okay. Not only that, they're zero and two, zero and three, zero and three. All right. Well, my number six is the Vegas Vipers. Mine are the San Antonio Brahmas. Again, one and two versus two and one. Yeah. I think they're probably I th- I'd take them on a field versus the Brahmas. That they did they did not look great, but I'm gonna chalk that up to Houston's defense looking fantastic. They're still the most complete team in the league. I will stand by that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so for me, number five. The Seattle Sea Dragons. Oh, another another agreement. I also have the Seattle Sea Dragons at number five. It's. I, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that they were they're a one and two team in your rule, but also the fact that like they seem like they have upside, but the the top four is pretty solid, right? I I feel like this is a situation where, in a week or two's time, they could be like in the top three. Yeah, absolutely. And but they found ways to lose. Right, right. There are teams like I don't know. I could see the Seahawks just having like a you know just a crazy good season, or sorry, the uh, the Battlehawks having a crazy good season. I could also see them just like exploding into flames at some point. Like the it's, way they've relied on the way they've won games, yeah, yeah. You know, it could. You know, we saw it here. They just couldn't. They couldn't bring it back. What are we on? Number four. Number four. All right. 
My number four is the most complete team in the league, albeit a one and two team. I think they're going to be one of the two teams out of the out of the South. Like you said, if you believe in the scripted XFL, then they're definitely going to be the team out of the South. Uh, the San Antonio Brahmas. This is where the, my my rules come in. This is where I have the Arlington Renegades, two and one. They're my lowest two and one team, but I have them here. Okay, I feel like it's. I mean, if you go by standings, if you're I, you know, if you go like by basic bitch metrics like that, be lined up exactly the same. Maybe we'll see. Uh, I'm number three. My number three is St. Louis. Same. Okay. We might be different one and two. Oh, we might. Who's your number two? Houston. Oh no, we are different. I have DC at number two. And then I'm DC at one. Yep, Houston at one. I just think. Yes, we all know the Brandon Silver's meltdown is coming. Yeah. Until it does, this is the best team in my opinion. I'm leaning towards. I'm. I feel like the team that's got the more reliable running attack Which is, is fair. the that's fair. is the is the more reliable team. I mean, if you look at how the Stallions did it last year, it's like it seems like the way to win. The, like the one team that can just run the ball is the team that that wins these these uh spring leagues. Almost, it's hard to see. It, it, it just you know, it. You're dealing with guys who are just a notch below like NFL. That like it's hard to keep. It's hard to face adjustments, and it's hard to keep like intricate passing games going, especially when like why the Roughnecks were so good in 2020. Because yes, they had PJ Walker and Cam Phillips throwing all over the field, but also they had James Butler to fall back on. And yeah, just so everyone knows, James Butler, maybe this last year was was top two, top three running back in the CFL. Yeah. So yeah, like, it it well, helps. Let's hear. Let's see. Okay, so let's garageify this uh, this power ranking. I think obviously Number, we're gonna have Guardians at eight. Guardians at eight, definitely. I, uh, I am willing to move the Renegades down. I can't put them below the Vipers because they beat the Vipers straight up. I'd be willing to move the Vipers to seven and Arlington to six and keep Arlington at six. I can agree to that. Okay. So right now we're at Orlando, Vegas, Arlington. Five, five, five. We agreed it's the Sea Dragons. Five, we agreed is the Sea Dragons. Then, we've I've got, put, I've got San Antonio. Antonio. Okay. Basically, yeah. I'll just swap San Antonio and Arlington. That's fair. St. Louis, we had at three. Agreed. Now the big question of DC versus Houston. It's tough. It's tough because they are. They're very similar on defense. They're extremely similar on defense. They are miles apart on offense. I'm willing to take DC up front because I trust Jordan Tamu more than I trust Brandon Silvers. That's but I think there's an extra component to it of you have you do have two dynamic quarterbacks who can score, whereas you have one that you know is an absolute ticking time bomb on the other. I do love the OC for Houston. And I like a lot of the weapons they have. I love Dr. Heat. Oh, the, Dr. Heat's amazing. I'm okay. I'll give you DC this week. Okay. That's fair. We'll learn a lot. We will learn a lot next week. We will learn a lot as the DC Vi- DC defenders take on the Vegas Vipers in a rematch. Then we get two rematches or three rematches. Did we get all four rematches? Have the, no, Battlehawks haven't played Arlington yet. 
and the Brahmas haven't played Seattle yet. So two rematches sandwiched with two new games. Yeehaw. We're almost halfway done, dude. Yeah, we're closer we're closer to halfway than we are to the start. Actually not yet. We will be next week, week four. Yes, after week four. This weekend we will be. Yes. So this week will be. And then I think what is it? Once we get to week nine, is it? I think it's either week nine or week ten. We get overlap with the USFL. I think it's week ten. That's pretty dope. That's really awesome. It's gonna be dude. It'll be like college football levels of, of football watching. Yes. You're going to have to have way – I'm going to have a shitload of screens. We might have to download the CAC. I already have – I still have my subscription to the CAC. Yeah, I got to subscribe to the CAC. I, I don't know why I'm still subscribed. I should have just unsubscribed after the USFL season, but – I mean, there's nothing wrong with sometimes just finding a CAC, you know, aesthetically pleasing. Every once in a while, they got Premier League games on there, and I like watching some soccer every once in a while. Yeah, you like Man City. I do. Yeah. Did you do anything else this weekend, Chase? No. No, I literally just watched XFL football, and it was glorious. I went to a very fancy golf club and ate some good food. That'll work. It was fun. It was a good time. Yeah. My, little my little brother works there, so he hooked me up. There we go. Did you play any golf? No, I suck no. at golf. Yeah, okay. Also, I think like to play just a random game, it's like $100 like, to play around. Green's fees. It's like yeah. the it's the second nicest golf course in Lincoln, Nebraska. So it's fucking so nice. Warren Buffett plays there. Scott Frost played there, <laughs> so it's tainted Wait. now. He would also hit on women there all the time. Apparently, of course, yeah, he does. I think that'll do it for the gymnasium. This that'll week, do it, folks. Chase. What do you got going on in life? I mean, you can check out my horse racing podcast, the Notorious OTB, brought to you by the Sports. Link down below. Park. Link is in the description. Brought to you by the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Uh, I'm always on Twitter being abrasive, at of Oakland. I got my uh, Instagram, which is just pics of my my dog, mostly. Uh, at Wolf of Oakland. And uh, I'm around. I'm in these streets. So am I. So yeah. You guys know where That's to find it. me. We know where to find you. Thank you all for watching. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you guys. And we look forward to seeing you again for the next week's episode of... The gymnasium. Bye-bye.